Our first scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 31, verses 1 through 6. Hear now the word of the Lord. At that time, declares the Lord, I will be the God of all the clans of Israel, and they will be my people. This is what the Lord says. The people who survived the sword will find favor in the desert. I will come to give rest to Israel. The Lord appeared to us in the past, saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with loving kindness. I will build you up again, and you will be rebuilt, O Israel. Again you will take up your tambourines and go out to dance with the joyful. Again you will plant vineyards on the hills of Samaria. The farmers will plant them and enjoy their fruit. There will be a day when watchmen cry out on the hills of Ephraim, Come, let us go up to Zion, to the Lord our God. Our second scripture reading this morning continues on as we read through the book of Ephesians. uh, As we read today, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 12 through 21. Hear now the word of the Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray one more time. Gracious God, I pray that you would bless this time of worship, that you would use it to draw each of us closer to you. Lord, let us hear the message that you have for each of us this morning, that you've shared with us through your scripture. And Lord, I pray that you would guide my words that all of them might be to your glory and nothing else. In your son's name, amen. So this is the third week now that we're talking about the book of Ephesians and particularly what it means for us as Christians to live a life that's claimed by God, to live as people who've been claimed by God as members of his holy household. On the first week as we started this, we talked about how Paul begins his letter to the Ephesians with a simple but profound statement, or rather a pair of statements. First, that we have an amazing gift, that we have blessings beyond all measure in Christ Jesus. And second, that because we do not fully understand God, we can't comprehend just how great those blessings truly are. Last week we talked about what it means, well, two weeks ago, we talked about what it means to have this inheritance through Christ and how in order to understand what that means, we have to know God and who God is more fully. 
This week we're going to keep going on this same path of seeing what it means to live a life claimed by God. And we're going to talk about what Paul has to say about love. Because what Paul says about love here and all throughout the New Testament, and what Scripture tells us throughout the entire Bible, is that faith in God must have its roots in love. But love is something that means different things to a lot of different people. When we each think of love, we think of something unique. And indeed, all throughout Scripture, love is used in a lot of different ways. But this morning, we're going to talk about the love that a Christian has for the people around them and that Christ has for us. Now, as I was reading this again in preparation for this week, I was, I was reminded of a book that came out back in uh, around 2003. It gained a lot of popularity among certain uh, Christian crowds, mostly the hip 20-somethings who uh, wanted to see a difference made in the world around them, but who had, had experiences with people in the church or with people outside of the church who had opinions about the church. And it reflected on one man, a man named Donald Miller, and his experience coming to Christ in a world that was very opposed to the church. There's a book called Blue Like Jazz, and like I said, it was very popular in the early to mid-2000s. And it made a big impression on me, so much so that even all of these years later, I'm still reminded of some of the things that came up in that book. So I wanted to share with you a quote. In fact, these are the first sentences of the book. He starts off by saying this, I never liked jazz music because jazz music doesn't resolve. But I was outside the Baghdad Theater in Portland one night when I saw a man playing the saxophone. I stood there for 15 minutes and he never opened his eyes. After that, I liked jazz music. Sometimes you have to watch somebody love something before you can love it yourself. It's as if they are showing you the way. Ephesians 3 is clear when it says that love is the root of faith. That for us to truly have faith in Christ, we have to be rooted and established in love. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, and we sang this this morning, or heard this uh, this morning, that without love, everything else, no matter how good our actions or how committed our deeds, everything else is meaningless unless it's based in love. So we can see love as impacting our lives, our Christian lives, in a couple of different ways. The first way is through seeing Christ's love. In fact, it's because of Christ's love that we can have faith at all. Because seeing us where we stood, lost and hopeless in a world separated from God, Christ came to us before we had done anything to earn it. When we were completely lost in sin and death, Christ came to us that we might be reconciled to him. It was out of pure love for creation that God decided to give himself up so that we might be restored. 
And in fact, everything that we as Christians believe, every part of our faith is rooted, it all flows from our trust and belief that we worship a loving God. We see this from the very beginning to the end of Scripture, from the very first moment in which God speaks creation into being out of love, in which God walks with his creation. We see it through the coming of Christ, who, as I said, came purely because of God's love for us and not because we had done anything to merit it. And we see it in the final victory that's promised through the resurrection of Jesus Christ that because he so loved us, us lost people, that he came so that death might be finally conquered and that we might be fully restored in perfection with him. Everything that we believe flows from the love of God. And through Christ, Paul tells us, we have the freedom and power to see that. We have the freedom and power to know his love, not to comprehend it, not to understand it, but to know it in a very real and personal way, a way that makes a difference in our lives. The kind of knowing that must be experienced. But Ephesians isn't just about God's love for us, though. Rather, it's about how the faithfulness of Christ can create within us and grow within us a spirit of love. You see, in the same way that sometimes you have to see a jazz musician love his craft to love jazz, as we see the way that Christ loved the world and loved the people that God made, we might learn how to love as well. Now, I'm not talking about loving just family or friends, the people that are close to us. As Christ was undergoing crucifixion, that horrible moment of torture, he looked out at the people who had hung him on the cross and prayed, God, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Even in those moments of agony, Christ loved the people who had put him there, That is love, and that is asking us to do the hard thing. Because if we're going to be imitators of Christ, then we have to be prepared to love the people who are hard to love. And not just to love them in easy ways either. Not just to give them the kind of love that comes when you give them uh, small trinkets or bring back a souvenir from a trip. But in the hard ways, the ways that require you to really get to know someone, to hear the things that are going on in their lives, to invite them to be a part of your life, and more importantly, to invite them to know Christ in a way that might change their life. That's hard, but that's the kind of love that we are called to by Jesus. Now, the second way that we see love is we can see Christians' love. We can see the love that the people around us in the church have as a reflection of God's love too. By seeing other people love God, we can learn to love God. 
I know for me, some of the earliest influences that I had were watching my grandparents pray every morning and read scripture, was seeing the kindness and generosity and love that my parents, that my family's friends showed to the people around them. My first experiences of God were seeing the generous spirits that people had towards those who were in need. And as I got older and remembered those things, I knew that that was because these people that I knew, that I loved, saw how much they had been loved by God and had been changed by Him and were reflecting that out into the world. And through that, through seeing that example, I was able to learn what it meant to show the love of God. To love other people, in a lot of cases, is a missional act. It's something that we can do to show them that God's power is real enough to change lives, not just their life, but to show them that our lives have been changed so that we have spirits of love, noticeably different from the world around us. In a world that demands division and wants us to be separated from each other, we can show that there is a better way, that there's a way through Jesus Christ in which we come together and not apart, in which we're reconciled with each other and not separated. Love isn't easy. It's not just seeing someone in need and giving them a few dollars. Jesus doesn't ask us to do the easy thing because he never did the easy thing. It means listening and caring. It means getting to know people and getting to know the depths of their humanity, their needs, hopes, and suffering. And then it means taking the next next steps to really invest in their lives, to invite people to know you as well, to hear what they need and meet them there. And then to invite them to come with you in this journey of faith that we're on. But loving others isn't just a missional act. While it is something that we can do to show the love of Christ, by loving other people, indeed, we can come to be transformed. It's not just missional, it's transformational as well. As we deepen in love for one another, we can begin to understand the immeasurable immeasurable depths of Christ's love for us. Paul said at the beginning of all of this, at the beginning of the book of Ephesians, that our chief obstacle to understanding what it means to be claimed is that we don't understand God. Well, this is a way that we can come to better understand God A God who is defined, first and foremost, by his love for creation. So as we love that creation too, we can come to better understand the one who made it. I'll leave you with this quote also from this book, Blue Like Jazz. He writes, I will love you like God, because of God, mighted by the power of God, I will stop expecting your love, demanding your love, trading for your love, and I will simply love. I'm giving myself to you, and tomorrow I will do it again. 
I suppose the clock itself will wear thin its time before I am ended at this altar of dying and dying again. God risked himself on me. I will risk myself on you. And together, we'll learn how to love. And perhaps then, and only then, understand this gravity that drew him unto us. Amen.